0: This is R. J. Rushdoony, Easy Chair Number 344, August 9, 1995. In this session, Douglas Murray, Andrew Sandlin, and Mark Rushdoony and I will be discussing euthanasia. I am not happy about discussing this. Rather saddened by the fact that it is an issue of importance and one that should be discussed. In my college days, I recall vividly that one of the things that marked Adolf Hitler and made his philosophy so detestable was the practice of euthanasia. And it was regarded as indicative of the evil of Nazism, that an abortion. And now people who consider themselves to be liberal and enlightened are not only in favor of abortion, but now euthanasia. And the question that was raised in my youth as against the whole Nazi philosophy and one which was shared by virtually everyone in this country was if the state once decides that certain people, the elderly, the extremely sick or the uh, mentally retarded as under Hitler, can be executed, then What's to prevent them from saying people of this or that racial, co- uh, background or color should not also be executed? Because once you've broken the barrier, it's simply a question of the state determining who it wants to get rid of. So the subject is a grim one. Once you breach the barrier, then there is no restraint whatsoever. Once you say that not God but man decides who shall die, then the society is going to go down the drain. I should add that there are too many people even in the church now, Catholic and Protestant, who don't know that God says that Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Yes. So we are seeing a serious situation where for lack of knowledge of the Bible and out of purely humanistic and sentimental concerns, people are ready to advocate euthanasia. Douglas, would you like to comment on the subject.
1: Well, I, I don't mean to trivialize it, but a, as you were speaking there, I almost thought popped into my mind that <laughs> perhaps uh, memorandums should be sent to some of these churches to remind them <laughs> of God's law because they yes. apparently don't bother to read the Bible. Uh, euthanasia is a very troubling subject. Uh, I've recently uh had to, uh, well, actually over the past couple of years I've had to deal with uh, this uh, subject in relation to uh, my mother's was uh, very seriously ill over the past two years and in a convalescent home and I was uh, the first doctor that she had called me at 11 o'clock at night I'd never met this man in my life uh, wouldn't know him if I saw him on the street and he's pitching uh, me with... Uh, the fact that uh, I should sign a do not resuscitate uh, form mm. uh, for my own mother. And I, I was enraged, and I, I fired him. <laughs> and I got the next doctor I got. I said, don't bring up the subject. <laughs> you and I are going to fight. Yeah. Uh, but you get it from, quotes, health professionals. And yes. I have... Tr- that, that word sticks in my throat.
2: Absolutely. You know,
1: health professionals who are supposed to preserve life are now dedicated to ending it.
2: Who are more interested in their profession than health.
1: Yeah, and and the, the purpose is for the convenience of the medical profession, for That's the right. convenience of the apparatus that is supposed to take care of, of people of advanced age. Uh, so, uh, uh, needless to say, I didn't sign any of these forms uh, until uh, it You know, got to the point where my mother was, you know, being, uh, her time was, had come. And then when I was in the room, I got there, I drove all night to get to my mother's bedside from Seattle. And I got there about an hour before she died and I was holding her hand and uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer. And the hospital administrator came in with these forms and demanded that I sign them. And I threw her out of the room. And I told my brother, you stand guard at the door. You know, Absolutely. whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yes. I said, don't let anybody in this room because I'm ready to swing. Good. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, you're just stunned. You can't, it's very difficult to believe uh, the, 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 uh, the crass level of insensitivity that these people have. That's right. It, it's a business to them.
2: Absolutely. It's purely
1: a business to them. But, you know, the, the, uh, I'm amazed, particularly on television recently, we've had instances where, uh, newborn babes have been left in trash cans. And this is yes. probably not a new phenomenon. It probably happened in biblical times up to the present. But what, uh, strikes me is that when television, uh, reporters go and, uh, Interview, man on the street interview, what do you think about this? They don't know what to think about it. And, you know, it all goes back to when this, uh, uh, abortion ruling, uh, was handed down by the Supreme Court. I just, you know, intuitively felt that, you know, we've gone around a big bend, we've gone over a big hill here. And it's going to have major repercussions down the line in the way people view the sanctity of life. And today, among the general public, there is no sanctity of life. They think more of their dogs That's than right. they do of members of their own family. Absolutely. And now you have uh, 911 emergency people who are in the ridiculous situation of being required to give mouth-to-mouth or CPR uh, resuscitation to animals, and yet they have to follow the dictates of signed agreements not to resuscitate uh, uh, certain people.
2: Hmm. Yes. Well, this is a theological problem, as all problems are, because man wants to vest himself with God's sovereignty. I mean, that's the problem. Man wants to play God. When man no longer believes in the sovereign God of an authoritative scripture, then he wants to vest himself with that authority. And that's why life is considered so cheap today, because if you lose a proper view of God, you're not going to have a proper view of man, as Rush has pointed out for so many years. So this is we can't, as perhaps some Roman Catholics and natural law people and many others, center it just on the suffering and problems of man. It's a theological problem. Men have a wrong view of God, a defective view of God, and that's why they treat their fellow man so wickedly.
3: I, know, I might have a slightly different uh, a view of this because I think sometimes we, we confuse some of the the issues involved. Uh, of course, there's obviously the euthanasia where you're actively killing people, which is, I believe, legal in the Netherlands, and I'm sure it goes on more in more cases than we're really aware. Um, and, of course, then there's the Kevorkian type of... Uh, assisted suicide. Um, however, there's the, the other element of um, allowing people to die naturally without a lot of artificial uh, machines' um, uh, assistance. And I I, I... I am not totally against letting someone die without hooking them to a respirator, if that is their wish. Um, if you believe in heaven and you don't believe that, that living um, an extra day, an extra week, extra months is the, the most important thing, then you may be willing to accept that, and I think people have, have a right to determine what kind of medical care or lack thereof they, they receive. And sometimes doctors can go to extreme of sign, like you say, sign the papers, or they can go to the uh, other extreme of, let's hook them up to this machine, let's get this going, uh, we'll do this and that. And, this may not be what the individual wants. If, uh, uh, if you don't want, you know, an abscess tooth removed, you have the right to be miserable Mm -hmm. and in pain. you have the right to the type of medical care that 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 you want, and I don't think that we should say that there's an absolute moral necessity that we have to do everything that's medically right. possible mm-hmm. to prolong someone's life. But that's a separate issue from euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Yes, someone else is however, making a decision for it. However, I've noticed in the in the, the pro-life groups mm-hmm. have often con- confused the the, the 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 issue, and. Uh, that's because they're there, pro- there's a matter law, of pro- if they're not pro-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a matter, are you going to prevent someone from going on an artificial life system? Then there's a whole nother moral issue. Once somebody is put on the artificial life support system, do you remove them? Twenty years ago, there was a famous case, mm-hmm. Karen Ann Quinlan. I mean, she was a household word for months because the legal debate went on and on and on. This was a girl who took drugs and alcohol. She was in a coma, mm-hmm. a vegetative state. And the, the argument, the legal battle was, if you remove this girl, you are committing murder because she will die if you remove her from artificial life support systems. The family, I, be- I believe it was the family, Won the case, she was allowed to be removed from the artificial life support system. Lo and behold, the medical experts were wrong. She lived for just about a year after
1: that. Well, the difficulty is knowing when man is interfering with God's will, okay. and knowing when whether you understand what you know that it's God's will that someone is to die. This is, you know, what the medical ethicists are supposedly mm-hmm. gra- grappling with. But I think most people, most reasonable people know when that time is. Uh, but when you hand this, when you write a blank check to a mm-hmm. whether it's a hospital or to someone else, mm-hmm. then you're I think you're on dangerous ground.
3: The, the reason the hospitals legally like to have those forms is because once they put someone on an, on a machine, mm-hmm. then it's a much more difficult legally uh, sure. uh, uh, it's a it's a very difficult question on can they remove them from that machine? and that's when the court cases appear. It's the same thing as if somebody um, has a heart attack and you start CPR. Uh, if you're trained in CPR, legally you are required to continue CPR, and there are several conditions. One, if you're too physically exhausted and you cannot continue, or someone else continues that is comes in that is qualified to take over for you, or a med- qualified medical personnel declares that person to be dead. Otherwise, illegally, if you start CPR on someone and you stop. Um, you're in serious legal question, and it's, it's it becomes that much more involved if in a hospital hooks someone up to a machine. Yeah. So p- part of the problem here is um, the assumption that man and the medical profession in, in specifically controls life or death. Mm-hmm. That's right, and that that is the, the problem is when we are deter- we are saying we are determining whether this person lives or dies. And there's I I believe it's a whole different issue if someone is hooked up to a machine Mm -hmm. versus the problem I sometimes have is I hear about these cases where people are in a coma, their eyes can follow individuals, sometimes they can even maybe squeeze the hand. They are conscious but they have a feeding tube because they Mm -hmm. cannot now lots of people who are can even talk can't feed themselves because they can't use their arms. Mm And the whole, what, what happens to the whole question of, um, do we stop the feeding tube and let them starve to death? Because that is what's being done very often, because relatives say they wouldn't want to live like this.
2: Well, it's the advent of advances in medical technology that have caused many of these problems. 200 years ago, we wouldn't even be discussing this mm-hmm. to a large
0: degree. Rush room. Shortly after the war, <clears throat> I became uh, better acquainted with the minister and older man who had been in a coma in a hospital for 6 months wasn't conscious the whole time and uh he did recover i was uh able with a cane to get around tolerably, tolerably well and uh subsequently became a chaplain in an old folks' home. Uh, It was a most amazing recovery. On the other hand, in the early 50s, I knew this man who had taught science and had a very considerable knowledge of things medical who had had a series of light strokes. And he told his wife, very emphatically, I know enough to be able to tell when a stroke is coming. And when the big one comes, just let me die in bed here. I'll go quickly. And I'll let you know, because he said, I have learned with all the series of strokes I've had since I retired, uh, a great deal about what is happening. Well, this one day he told his wife, This is it, the big one. Let me die here at home. Well, the uh, married daughter was a uh, true blue liberal. <laughs> And she came over as soon as her mother called her and persuaded her mother to call an ambulance and take him to the hospital where he lived for months. And instead of having enough money to live on for the rest of her life, it cost her all the money that uh, her husband had saved up. And... The lovely house they had then she had to move in with that daughter (laughs) who made her life miserable because she felt imposed upon now I do think that uh, the problem we have is that both in continuing life and in trying to cut it off men are trying to play God. Mm-hmm. Yes. And both efforts are really immoral. That's right. It was very sad, uh, in the case of that widow. She was now in a church that was modernist to the core. Everything that she heard offended her and upset her. She did not like her daughter's very liberal ideas with regard to everything including child care it was total misery for that woman and the daughter created the
1: situation yes well I think the answer at least what I arrived at is that we each individually have to take responsibility for giving our very best effort our best good faith effort to understand God's will that's right Yes, and that's the best you can do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just pray about it and make your decision. That's what we have to do when we're
0: faced with something like that. Because man
2: is not omnipotent and man is not omniscient. No. no. Mark mentioned something I want to pick up on. You know, a lot of natural law advocates uh, oppose euthanasia and abortion because they believe that life has infinite human va- life has uh, human life is infinitely valuable. We need to oppose that. Uh, I don't like the idea of pro-life. Perhaps we should say pro-law. Because the important thing is not, the most important issue, is not that a life is being taken, but that God's law is being broken. And we we, we can't defend it on a natural law basis, but on a biblical law basis. There was a prominent
0: theologian in Germany who in the last century uh, developed a theology which was centered around the belief in the infinite value of the human soul. Mm -hmm. Well, we cannot uh, make uh, man's life uh, equal to God. That's right. And and we cannot speak of its infinite value.
2: Only God's life is of infinite.
0: What we have to say, where human life is concerned, we have to go by God's law. Because if we decide that we're going to make the decisions, then we've taken a wrong turn and the world is going to suffer.
2: Also, we can fall into terrible inconsistencies like Ron Sider. You know well about Ron Sider, who uh, opposes abortion, supposedly, but also opposes capital punishment, you see, because he is pro-life for him is man that is the center of the universe, and therefore he has to oppose abortion and has to oppose, he says, capital punishment. That's why we have to be pro-law and not specifically pro-life. It is God's law that is paramount and not man's life that is
1: paramount. There's another uglier side uh, to euthanasia which we haven't gotten into, which probably the more classical understanding of uh, the shaping of a society uh, the shaping of the demographics of a society through euthanasia. Uh, those of us old enough to remember World War II became aware of what Hitler was trying to do in uh, shaping the demographics in Germany. And uh, this seems to be repeated over and over again to one degree or another. You mentioned before about the Netherlands. I don't want to infuriate anybody in the Netherlands, but the the general understanding is is that one of the reasons that uh, people fifty years old and older won't go to the hospital in the Netherlands is because they have a less than even chance of getting out alive so they come to the United States or go to England or anywhere else so what it boils down to is that it's for the convenience of the state yes. simply because in their view they don't have room enough for everybody well now you jump out of that microcosm to what we have here in the United States. The liberals have decided that, uh, we don't have enough resources. Uh, that humans are fouling the air and fouling the water and fouling the land and, and so forth and therefore have to be controlled like you'd control the number of animals in a, in a cage or in a zoo. So it has broader implications which are now being carried forward. Uh, where it's going to go, I don't know, but um, it has ominous uh, signs for the future and has to be opposed. And some of these cases
3: you hear about, you'll hear their, their family members interviewed, and it's not really a question of are they alive or not, but you know, my son or my husband would not want to live with a lack of a quality of
1: life. In other words, those it's words not, are being put into their mouths by right. quote healthcare professionals. Right. People don't make that stuff. talk about themselves. the quality of life and
3: then you have other people saying, Well, being paralyzed, uh, being in a coma, does not the quality of life. This person was a, a vibrant um active individual, yes. an athletic person, therefore I don't believe that they would want to to live with this uh, quality of life. And again, it's it's all centered on man and really uh man's convenience. Well, not what not, is not, not moral.
1: <laughs> also I have to tell you there's some greed involved in the process that's of, right. over the past couple of years and going through this situation with my mother, I found out that for the first ninety days you know, under Medicare, uh, assuming you're over 65, Medicare pays the bulk of the hospital bill. After 90 days, in other words, if you're in a convalescent home for an extended period of time, that drops, drops away. Yeah. And you become private pay until you run out of money. Well, I found out that in this particular convalescent hospital, they have three wings. There's the private pay wing, there's, and there's the Medicare wing. Now, in the Medicare wing, the convalescent hospital can bill the government $170 a day. In the private pay wing, they can only bill $100 a day. Plus, during the first 90-day period when you first go into a convalescent hospital, they pitch the family on, uh, particularly if you're a stroke victim, on uh, rehabilitation. So you go through a, a fifteen to twenty thousand dollar rehab program, which is all billed to the federal government.
3: And mm-hmm. in ninety-nine
1: percent of the cases it doesn't do the person any good because once you've had the stroke, you know, the mental processes are gone, all the rehab in the world isn't going to get that back. So you follow the money and you find out that there's good old fashioned greed involved in 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 other words, right. they need to churn The patients in convalescent hospitals, and keep a fresh crop coming in, so that they can get that fifteen to twenty thousand dollars worth of Medicare billings for rehabilitation, and they can bill one hundred and seventy dollars a day instead of a hundred dollars a day. So you're talking big, big money when you look at it nationally—hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars. Yes, and
0: uh, there have been exposés of how the hospitals have gone beyond that to
1: false billings oh, oh yes it's right I, I i was down there arguments every month they're billing uh, uh they have a a little drink called uh, insure which is yes. chocolate milk with a bunch of vitamins in it mm-hmm. i got a billing for $270 for one can
0: oh, oh my phew. Oh my. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> think that
1: anybody'd have that much guts to try to get <laughs> over that. <laughs> Must have been yeah. a lot of vitamins yeah, it. I think mean, it's, it's about. Send you to the moon, <laughs> you know. is it, Joanna. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, how much a can? dollar uh,
0: and a half. A twenty five. You can
2: buy a $1. case. A dollar twenty five.
0: You, you can
1: buy a case of twelve cans for nine dollars at Thrifty.
2: Well, the medical profession has changed dramatically. I remember reading a. Uh, a uh, little survey taken by nurses or of nurses about 15 years ago in which the majority of them said that the main reason that they were involved in the nursing profession is altruistic reasons, to help people. The, the same survey was given about five or six years ago, and uh, most of them said we got in it because it's a lucrative profession.
1: You betcha. It's a lucrative profession. You betcha. Their uh, firms are listed in the stock exchange. And oh, it's yeah. big, big business.
0: Could you repeat again? It was such a shock. I can't remember (laughs) how much one can of insure cost.
1: Bill billing was for $271 for one can. $271 for
0: one can. $271. Now, a lot of uh, mothers use that Mm -hmm. uh, feeding their babies. You know, what's
2: so ironic about that. I've seen those TV exposés, and I've actually seen doctors defend that kind of charging. Oh, yeah. I've seen them defend that.
0: Unbelievable. Well, they're as good as the Pentagon, then. (laughs) I'd like to shift the discussion slightly, but get back to it basically in a roundabout way. I'm currently reading a very, very interesting, often highly amusing book, P.J. O'Rourke's all the Trouble in the World. Have any of you read that? No.
1: Sure. I know about that. but I don't know.
0: All right. Now, <clears throat> one of the things, if I may take a little while with it, because uh, I think it's highly interesting. He has a chapter on Bangladesh, the former Bengal state within the uh, British India now an independent country. Uh, Something of a basket case. Uh, He uh, makes it a very interesting discussion of uh, socialist economies because Bangladesh, when it was under the British, was the world's major source of jute out of which burlap sacks were made. But lo and behold, sacks are no longer made of burlap. They're made out of plastic, which works better and it's cheaper. So the uh, socialist economy of Bangladesh doesn't have the sense to say with the rich soil we have, why don't we grow something else? No, they grow jute and more jute and they're trying to find other uses for jute. And he said they were calling him up, inviting him into uh, uh, state offices uh, to discuss jute with him. Being a journalist, they wanted to, to sell him on the potentialities of jute. Well, uh, they are making rugs out of jute. The trouble is it uh, is a rock material. You walk across it and you break the threads and you have a messy looking rug after you've gone over it a few times. On top of that, it absorbs 25% of its weight in moisture. So in a very humid <laughs> climate, you walk across the uh, jute rugs and... <laughs> The rugs squish under your feet. (laughs) But they're sold on jute and they're going to sell it to the world. Well, with this kind of socialist problem, all the authorities all over the world say that Bangladesh has a serious problem overpopulation. And it looks convincing when you look at the poverty when you look at uh, some of the slums that are almost unspeakable in their poverty and filth. But what P.J. O'Rourke did was to do a comparative study of another area with the same concentration of population, Fremont, California, Fremont is a middle class city does not have a bad section a low crime rate in a recent year they did have two murders uh, they don't have any problems like Bangladesh and yet they have the same concentration of people and that's with all the parks and uh, historic sites and so on that they have there in Fremont So, after going over that in various ways and calling attention to other areas like Bangladesh, P.J. O'Rourke says, where are these overpopulated areas? Some of them are not as heavily populated as, say, the Netherlands or Belgium or various states of the United States that are big city states they said all these people are in areas of races that our liberals are not honest enough to say they would like to see diminished in numbers so he says the idea of overpopulation is a way of advocating the disappearance, the euthanasia of peoples in the world that we'd rather not see. We'd rather have them uh, controlled by us or disappear as they are. We want the kind of world we liberals represent, we white liberals. But he said they're not honest enough yes. to say they want vast segments of the world, eliminated. And the whole myth of overpopulation is a way of trying to accomplish the same thing. And this is why we have been working secretly through the UN and other ways to fund depopulation in places such as China. China where the one child and no growth idea is so prevalent. So, the whole idea of euthanasia, and this is my point, confronts us in a number of ways. I believe it's behind abortion. Yes. It's behind the whole myth of overpopulation. It is behind the emphatic teaching in the earliest uh, years of school including kindergarten the idea that there are too many people
1: mm-hmm. and that we
0: are destroying the earth mm-hmm. we have increased in the past 50 years the forests in the US by a tremendous uh, percentage and yet we go on talking about destruction to the forests and destruction to species And uh, the idea, of course, is we are not to destroy even certain cockroaches which supposedly are in short supply, or certain kinds of rats. But we are to
3: destroy people created in God's image. Yes. I can remember uh, I was in junior high when uh, Roe versus Wade came down now, I can remember one of the first um, criticisms of abortion was that it was commonly said that abortion would lead to euthanasia because killing babies that you didn't find valuable was the same as killing uh, other people, especially elderly people who you didn't consider valuable to society anymore or wanted by society. And that, that was commonly said, and that was poo-pooed by the proponents of abortion at the time, that it was totally ludicrous to make that association, that it had nothing to do with elderly people, and that uh, it was totally ludicrous to even make that association. And yet here we are, just uh, 30 years later, less than 30 years later, and the whole issue has come around to euthanasia. You know, yes.
1: Abortion is a form of euthanasia. Sure, no. yes. We can't yeah. isolate this
2: one topic from these others, no. That's exactly.
1: You know, any attempt to shape the demographics of a people by either the front end or the back end is still euthanasia. You're still shaping the, uh, the, the demographic.
3: The abortion advocates always come back to, we don't want unwanted mm-hmm. babies in the mm-hmm. world. You know. And you're not going to take them into your home, which is largely a lie, a lie because a lie. there are people waiting for babies to yeah, absolutely uh, Absolutely. Okay. You don't want these babies. Uh, therefore, they're, they're unwanted babies. Therefore, it's, it's the best thing to do. This quality
2: of life business is totally wrong. I think of what God said to Moses, Who made man's mouth? The sovereign God has a right to make those whom he will, and if he wants to make some mentally retarded, he can do so. And who are we to dictate to God who should live and who should not live?
0: In the 60s, I wrote a little book which will be out maybe later this year again in a collection of my shorter writings on the myth of overpopulation. It's hard to look back and... uh, realize how intense the furor over that book was. It was noted even in the Wall Street Journal uh, favorably, let me say. But when I, at that time, for the Intercollegiate Society of Individualists, made a tour of a number of university campuses to speak on that subject, twice there were near-riot conditions. And uh, at one such university in uh, the Midwest, a major uh, technological university, there was uh, quite a long and intensely volatile period after I spoke of uh, discussion and debate And this one Hindu student who apparently was high, upper caste got up to say but there are too many people of the wrong sort in the world and they should be eliminated. Afterwards, uh, a girl told me that uh, I don't understand your position. You surely must realize there are too many people of the wrong sort. And it was interesting. I spoke at uh, a prominent Christian school and I was to have had lunch afterwards with the faculty. They wouldn't sit with me. So the student body uh, president... And his girlfriend uh, took me to the faculty dining room and the three of us ate while the faculty sat around looking at me as though I were a pariah. The Sanhedrin down on there. Yes. (laughs) But the interesting thing was that uh, I called attention to the fact that a high percentage of the abortions and I had at the time a clipping. Uh, from the Santa Ana Register in my hand were among black women. And there were a number of black students there, basketball players and others. And uh, they immediately came around me like a bodyguard (laughs) to escort me out of the auditorium.
1: You remember Rush right after World War II when the communists took over in China. I was always amused by the long succession of five-year programs, like yes. they just, they couldn't get it right. <laughs> and what, what happened, they were supposed to send these people out into the countryside to count heads and see how much food production they were going to need to feed themselves. Well apparently, a lot of them didn't bother to, they just sent back some numbers and didn't bother to actually count heads because all of a sudden, hordes of people started showing up in the big cities because they heard that there was free food. Here's all these guys out digging ditches in the hinterlands and they, they got the word that you could go down to the big city and they'd hand out free food. So they all dropped the shovel and left for the big city. But it's what tickles me uh, in a perverse way about this euthanasia thing is really government's admission that they cannot do the job that they seek to do. It's it's an admission of failure when they have to resort to controlling the number of people, just like the the, uh, the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia had to oh, kill yeah. 20 million of their own people in yeah. order to get the numbers of the population down to a, a, a point where they thought they could handle it. Mm-hmm. And it's always been government's answer. If you can't solve the problem, kill a bunch of people yeah. until you get the, the problem down to the size you can manage. That began with the French Revolution, although they don't talk about it anymore. That's absolutely
0: right. They were trying to figure out how many should we eliminate to have the right number to work with. Going back to P.J. O'Rourke's book, he has a passage there about population figures. And he said, what you must realize is nobody has gone through Bangladesh or India or any of these countries in Africa or Asia or elsewhere to count the people. What they do is this. They're applying for foreign aid or something from the World Bank. And the more people they have, the more money they can get. So they send in figures uh, (laughs) that uh, run into the uh, tens and hundreds of millions down to... uh, 346 or some figure like that as though they had an absolutely accurate count of mm-hmm. the entire population but it has one purpose to get money and of course then the uh, overpopulation people and the euthanasia people will talk about too many people based on these manufactured figures designed to get money out of the, uh, the European and America, uh, U.S. countries.
1: Well, it's just like uh, the guy that made the statement there were six million homeless in the United States, and when they actually got down to counting, they could only find a couple hundred thousand people <laughs> and fit the description. <laughs>
0: yes.
2: You know, this idea of defending euthanasia, as you alluded to earlier, Rush, is prominent in a uh, number of schools, even at the smallest age. These little open-ended questions are quite popular. If You know, if you were on a... A boat with uh, an elderly person and a younger person, and and the boat were going to sink, and only perhaps two could be saved. But which ones would you save? And yes. forcing children into moral dilemmas right. like that mm-hmm. uh, is very evil, and it's very pervasive.
0: One of the things that tickled me to wander a bit in P.J. O'Rourke's book is. Uh, his tour of the Amazon uh, country by a boat, stopping here and there at camps. And of course, the tour is very popular with the environmentalists. <laughs> he describes the absolute horror of it. All you see are endless trees and brown, dirty water. You stay in camps that you wouldn't put a uh, convict in and uh, they're supposed to be uh, uh, things that you rejoice in because you're back to nature. He describes conditions that uh, are barely repeatable <laughs> with n- no end of humor. Hmm. I enjoyed reading many portions of the book thus far as I have read Dorothy. But uh, he does puncture these environmentalists and overpopulation people and others. And Al Gore...
3: Well a lot of the third world countries have objected at a recent uh, conference in uh where was that Cairo. Cairo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. there was a great deal of opposition to the demand for uh to promote abortion There was a great deal of opposition to that and in fact it was something the conference was turned out to be something of the, of a fiasco yes. for for its promoters uh because um uh, these these minority groups these third world groups uh, the implications of this isn't lost on them. That's right, and uh, uh, the same is true in the black community here. A, a lot of people are very upset with the idea of promoting population control amongst the black people
1: mm-hmm.
3: because they think it's a way of to get rid of black people and to reduce the the size of the black population.
1: Well, right, it well, is, rightly so. That's uh, right, you know. Once it gets loose, it's a it's a monster, and it can consume anybody, not just black people.
2: That's exactly right. Black
3: people should be out in the forefront opposing these things. And a lot of the same people will, will criticize uh, the, uh, the conservatives who talk about family values. Oh, and, how, yes. and how silly that is. Only the real problem in the black community is not the number of black people, it's the fact that there's a total breakdown of the family structure. Absolutely
1: helped along with the government. And yeah. the government is the chief element in the breakdown of the among black people.
2: Government has been subsidizing immorality and evil for since FDR and probably before. We're hoping that changes pretty soon, but uh that's something
0: we have to pray and work for. Well, I think the Cairo conference was particularly important Because for the first time, many of the third world countries, so-called, talked back to the Western liberals. Yes. They made it clear they did not agree, and I'm particularly proud that the Christian regime in Zambia was very vocal. I was just going to bring that up. He was there and was... uh of course, the liberal
2: press didn't want to hear mm-hmm. these people, but they were quite vocal in uh, in opposing the the majority liberal view. I was so proud to hear that and read it. Yes. That.
1: Well, I think they're <laughs> they're uh, uh, getting less uh, uh, restricted in their in their criticism of the West because uh, we're not doing a very good job over here. No. Uh-huh. We, we have no right to tell them what to do. Uh-huh.
0: I think these uh, advocates of the myth of overpopulation of euthanasia and abortion and so on forget while, when they are playing God that there is a God yeah. and that he is not happy with them. So he's going to deal with them in good time That's why Psalm 2 has always been a favorite of mine. Yes. As against the world conspiracy of the ungodly nations, God who sits in the circle of the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. That's right. And it? Galatians 5
2: says that uh, we reap what we sow. Yes. We have an abortion and euthanasia culture. It will reap impotence and destruction. And we're seeing that, of course, as it is now.
3: Well, Uh, it reminds me of talking about playing God. uh, Years ago, my dad had on on his refrigerator a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip. A little boy was standing over a little plant with a watering can, screaming at the plant, saying... I'm, I totally control whether you live or die. You do things my way or else. And uh, standing there at the watery can, and suddenly this cloudburst came and just, this drenching rain came yeah. down. This, this utterly defeated look on his face as he
0: walked away. Yes. <laughs> he looked up at heaven sourly at the end. The well, according to Bob, and I've read this too, if the population of the world is given one a uh, square foot per person. They would fit in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recall some years ago the uh, fact uh, that I read in, in a, a very fine scholar's work that the whole population of the world could be fitted into Ventura County and live comfortably. We've gotten the idea that the world is vastly overpopulated but there is no country in the world that doesn't have a great deal of wilderness a great deal of land that is not used a great deal of land that all that it needs is water and the fact that we forget is that a great deal of land in the United States that was agricultural at the beginning of this century has reverted to forest mm-hmm. simply because the productivity of the remaining far- farmland has increased so dramatically. And this is happening elsewhere as modern uh, methods of farming are exported. In uh, this country... The farm population decreased to less than 10% not too long after World War II, and it's still going down. But we're producing more food than ever before. And yet, in places like China and Russia, they have to have about 50% of the people engaged in farm production. And the reason for it is their inability to use the soil properly and of course that is emphatically true of Bangladesh some of the richest soil in the world and yet it is a basket case economically and it has a continual problem with hunger and the jute keeps piling up because (laughs) the government of Bangladesh is determined that the world is going to be sold on the idea of squishy jute rugs. Well, our time is almost over. Uh, Each of you have a last comment you'd like to add?
2: Well, again, again, euthanasia is the attempt of man to play God. And it's a theological problem. And it must be uh, extirpated right at the root, theologically. And not just a sort of uh, bland religious do-goodism. But we need the full, authoritative, uh, comprehensive faith of the Scriptures preached and applied in all areas of life to solve this problem and all others.
3: I just think the heart of the problem is man playing God. Yes. And if you look at it that way, that, that doctors don't have the right to play God and uh, we don't have the right to play God over others, that we keep, we keep uh, decisions like this in perspective.
0: Yes, I agree. And... Uh, I'd much rather have God be God than any man or myself. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for listening, and God bless you.